This episode of Behind the Bots is brought to you by Fingertech Robotics, North America's top manufacturer of combat robotics parts. If you're interested in building your first combat robot, check out Fingertech's Viper Kit, which includes everything you need to build a fully functional, competitive ant weight. Fingertech also carries a complete line of wheels, hubs, motors, and other components if you want to build a bot from the ground up. Check them out online at www.fingertechrobotics.com. and agony on the upper deck which still exists this is behind the bots the podcast that brings you the stories of the builders behind battle bots i'm chris i'm luke i'm Lindsay, and i'm kyle and today on the podcast our interview with hypershock captain will bales we'll wrap up the show with this week's installment of robots around the world if you like our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and TuneIn, CastBox, Player FM, and Podbean. You can follow us on Facebook at Behind the Bots and tell a friend. We really appreciate your support. Time for this week's Combat Robotics News. I have five news items for you today. First up, Hexbug is running the ultimate BattleBots giveaway between now and Friday, February 18th. One lucky person will take home an Arena Max set signed by Tombstone Captain Ray Billings, plus the latest Hexbug Rivals kit signed by Whiplash Captain Matt Vasquez and Sawblaze Captain Jameson Go. If you'd like to enter, look for the link in this week's show notes. Speaking of contests, the team behind Mad Catter is running an art contest this week encouraging kids and adults alike to send in art that captures the spirit of Mad Catter. The team is picking two winners on Wednesday night, so if you're listening to this episode on the day it comes out, message the team on Facebook to enter. Winners will get a Mad Catter Pit Crew t-shirt, so go and enter now. Speaking of art, the team behind the medieval-themed rookie bot Dragon Slayer put out a public call for ideas of things they can add to their robot to make it look more characteristically medieval. In a post, the team writes, quote, Concept napkin drawings will work for me. I can work with most as long as we can make it. Send in your drawings to the team, and you might see them appear on the bot in a future season of the show. Now, I want to pause here. Chris... Uh, I know that you were interested in the uh, the Dragon Slayer concept art. Did you send them your ideas for ways to improve the aesthetics of the robot? Yeah, so I went with a uh, an early 80s heavy metal Inspirado featuring uh, dragon teeth and leather and a spinning axe. Uh, when I say axe, of course, I'm referring to uh, the nastiest of metal guitars. Nice. Did you get feedback from the team about whether they liked your design? I'm pretty sure that nobody liked it but me. <laughs> Good. All right. Uh, on over to eBay, where Hypershot Captain Will Bales is auctioning off a battle-damaged wheel and a battle-damaged fork, which he and the team promised to both autograph and personalize for the winner. As of Monday night, bidding stood at $370 for the wheel and $415 for the fork. And finally, in very wholesome news, the team behind Kraken published a detailed description of what goes into making a Wally. Wally is, of course, the team's narwhal minibot. They write, quote, Did you know we make Wally from a stuffed animal? 
We coat narwhal plushies in fiberglass resin to make the outside solid. Once it hardens, we cut a hole in the bottom and remove as much fluff as possible. We sew little pirate hats, make Fingertech robotics flags, then attach them and eye patches to the narwhals. We attach those to 3D printed robot frames and they are ready to go. Check out photos on the team's Facebook page. And that's it for this week's news. Before we get into our interview with Will Bales, it's time yet again for Snap Decisions, where we make ill-informed predictions about this week's fight card and score them against your ill-informed predictions. Last week, we had 95 people participate in Snap Decisions. Four people managed to call six out of seven fight night fights correctly. Those people were Sammy Bendali, Francois Ferrol Pelsier, Noel Viegas, Just and Justin Sittler. The easiest fight to call last week was Black Dragon versus Ice Wave, with 81 out of 95 people predicting that Black Dragon would win. The biggest upset of the night was Riptide versus Huge, with just 12 out of 95 people predicting that Riptide would win. Now, before we get into this week's uh, predictions, I would love to get your thoughts on uh, week three of action. We saw three huge upsets in a row. P1 beating Valkyrie, Riptide shoving huge into the screws, and Fusion dominating Cobalt. Those upsets basically wrecked every single person's BattleBots prediction kind of uh, bracket, uh, including our own. Um, we also saw a tiny bit of controversy around the Riptide versus Huge fight with Huge Captain Jonathan Schultz later saying online publicly that uh, the match had to be reset because Riptide jumped the gun and left its starting square early and scored a free hit on Huge before they reset the fight. Um, now, I would love to get your thoughts. Um, maybe open it up, Kyle, Chris, Lindsay, your thoughts on episode three. Um. I mean, the the first two episodes were were a pretty big act to follow. Um, there were some clear upsets, you know, in, in the night. It was uh, it, I was I don't know if I've ever been this off before in making predictions. Um, you know, all in all, it's still robots fighting each other, so I'm not going to complain about the episode one iota. I thought that the P one and Valkyrie match was so thrilling. Yeah, um, that was really the standout. To me, although I, I mean, I really, really loved the Copperhead and Lockjaw match. I mean, that one, like on paper, sounded like it was going to be fun. Uh, but then watching it in action, it was like way, way more explosive than I was even really anticipating. Um, but yeah, I mean, the P1 and Valkyrie match, it was a tough loss for Valkyrie. They really gave it their all. They kept going and going and going after yeah. P1. And P1 was just able to weather the storm. And it made it just the bot looked so good. Um, and uh, yeah, that was definitely, definitely the match of the night for me. Um, P1 just looks so great. I loved that match too. In my notes, I wrote, if P1 loses this judge's decision, we riot. Like, I it was like, I. I, I just thought it was such a dominant performance. It was really unexpected, just given the huge kinetic energy that's inside of Valkyrie. And I just love seeing um, the P1 team succeeding. So like that, that was that was a real highlight for me as well. I know that um, after last year, when they like just by a hair, uh, missed qualifying for the round of 32, I'm sure that, you know, 
the P1 team is going into this year being like, we don't want to leave any gray area. We don't want there to be any wiggle room. We want to show that we uh, deserve a spot in the top 32. And I mean, with that fight, they are well on their, their way in my eyes. You've got to wonder um, how Anthony D'Ambrosio's daughter felt about that match. You know, who do you who do you root for? You know, your uh, your robotic hero and Leanne Cushing or your dad, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and his robot, you know. I actually uh, messaged him after the episode and I was like, I hope your daughter wasn't too mad at you. And she and I think he said that, uh, you know, she was a little upset, but she got over it. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah, I talked to Anthony after the episode, too, and he said that uh, he was bummed that they cut the post-fight interview, but he suspects the reason they did is because there was just so much going on. They were, like, talking about um, his daughter. They were talking about, like, the friendship between the two teams and how the two teams were actually sharing a house during filming. Wow. Um, Yeah, so they, like, covered a lot in that interview, and I think they just couldn't get, like, a clear story out of it, which is why they kind of, like, moved past it. Uh, but yeah, apparently it was really cool. I hope they release that content at some point because like the inside fans would like to know. Yeah, I mean, the other match, one that, I don't know, was maybe a talk of the night in some ways, but it was um, it was really interesting to see Riptide uh, in their first match uh, and the driving of Riptide, you know, being pretty aggressive, but then also like, um, you know, getting huge into the pins, uh, or into the screws and then kind of like holding them there, even if the screws were going to like release them, um, you know, TBD, not, it was hard to tell if, you know, huge would have been, uh, eventually released by the screws, but he was kind of like holding him there, which I don't know. I guess that the rules allow that, but, um, it, I, you know, huge is obviously one of my favorite bots. And I feel like last year we didn't get to see huge, like rise to its full potential because of some weird fights, like where it couldn't really do its thing. Obviously like the fight with Hydra, it couldn't really even participate. And now again, like, I feel like huge has been like in this fight, it wasn't really able to participate. And I don't know. I'm like, yearning for a huge fight because I love that bot and I just feel like we haven't seen it um, really be able to show off what it can do. Aside, I guess, from the the huge mammoth fight last year. That was the last, like, that was the last great huge fight. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, my note that I had after watching that fight specifically was, oh, you can really tell that Ethan Kurtz fought in the lower weight classes and knows how to fight a huge um, because that was textbook, like how to beat huge. Um, but yeah, I believe you're allowed to hold those pins for like 10 seconds. He didn't do anything against the rules there at all. Um, all in all, that fight was okay. I, I wish that it had gone on longer. Uh, the fight that I love that I don't think anybody's talking about is Fusion versus Cobalt. Oh, yeah. Like, that was a blast. There were so many good individual fights, right? Like Black Dragon versus Ice Wave went exactly the way that I thought it would. It was a lot of fun. Um, Witch Doctor versus Duck was great. That was a fun fight. Um, but dude, the Fusion versus Cobalt fight was awesome. Fusion working is scary. Fusion working is very scary. That's a bot to watch this year. And hey, how about about how about that post fight interview? That made me laugh so loud. I have like a brand new appreciation for Reese and just his dry humor and delivery. Um, and I'm like 
overnight become uh, a fusion stand. So go fusion. Amen to that. Yes. Reese Reese Eward is the uh, one and only person to ever turn down an interview opportunity with this podcast. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe maybe with a big win under his belt, maybe we can uh, maybe we can get him on. Who who knows? Or maybe he'll shoot us down down again. <laughs> very possible what was his reasoning for not wanting did he give us a reason or did he just say no um well i i talked to jake and he was like yeah my brother's just like a little bit shy you know um which listen it's totally fair i mean you sign up to build a robot and fight on tv like you know you don't sign up to become a podcast interview you know um so yeah i mean i get it i mean maybe he's not super talkative um, but yeah, loved his dry sense of humor. That that was fantastic. Oh, and one of the things you mentioned before we stop talking about this episode, uh, Claw Viper looks awesome. That fight was great. Yes. Claw Viper like hit, plucked that bot, um, part of my French, just like plucked it out like it was nothing. That was that's like everything I want from a suplex bot, and we got it, and that was so exciting. Yeah, that was a great fight. I love suplex bots, and that was just so much fun. Every minute of it, I'd love. I, I once again can't believe that was a YouTube exclusive, Luke. I think your theory is turning out to be very true. Oh, yep. Thank you very much, Kyle. Yeah, my theory is that they're uh, they're running really good fights on YouTube because uh, it's a it's a marketing exercise. I love it. I love it. Um, all right. Any other thoughts before we get into this week's predictions? Yes. One last thought. Um, because I don't think that we can gloss over duck. I know that we, we briefly touched on it, but like, I love this redesign. I think the, the quacking bill is one of the funniest, (laughs) the funniest things I'd ever seen. And, um, I, I don't know. I imagine that they did this in post, but like, um, you could hear whenever they would say duck or like reference the bot, Mm -hmm. you would hear a quack, like a very subtle quack in the audio, in the distance, which um, I thought was hilarious. But yeah, I mean, I thought it was a long season without Duck. I think that Duck really occupies a very particular um, niche of the field and not having Duck participating, like there's really a void there. Um, I'm really excited to see what it can do for the rest of the season. Being matched up against Witch Doctor in your first run is like, a real tough draw, but um, which doctor looked great, and I, uh, I I love this redesign. I mean, Hal brings something new every single time, and and you can see his you know heart and soul and joy in the bot, and I think uh, this is kind of like the pinnacle of that, uh, especially with that that quacking bill. I just love it so much. Good. All right. Um... On, on that note, I would love to get into this week's predictions. Uh, very, very good recap, um, everyone. Um, we we have another seven explosive fights. And for the first time, we are seeing uh, returning bots. So, like, we're going to see their second fight. So, um, I should have done this. I didn't have time before the show. But um, probably starting next week, we're going to start... Um, naming the robots that we haven't seen yet because this is now our second time seeing Sablaze or second time seeing Mad Catter. And so already kind of the, the run for the top 32 has started. Um, so let's, uh, let's, let's get started here with, uh, with predictions uh, with our very first fight of the night. 
Malice versus Jackpot. A little friend-on-friend action between Captains Bunny Sariel and Jeff Waters. Kyle, let's start you off here. Um, what is your prediction for this fight? Malice versus Jackpot. Assuming everything's working properly, Jackpot should win this from like a physics standpoint. Um, I'm going to go ahead and guess it's not, and I'm going to go ahead and guess Malice wins it. Interesting. All right. Lindsay, your prediction. This is a really hard one. Uh, I'm, I also am going to go with Malice. Um, I think that they can outdrive Jackpot, but I don't feel very confident in that. I'm just going to go with Malice. Okay. Chris, your thoughts? Um, in rocks, paper, scissors, I think that Jackpot probably has the reach, although I think that Malice has a a bigger hit, but I'm I'm gonna say jackpot just because in a in a head to head clash, you know I'm gonna give it to that reach on the vertical on jackpot. Smart. Okay, uh, Chris, let's stay with you. Ribot versus Overhaul. Our next fight of the night. Uh, our frog themed modular bot versus everyone's favorite uh, van connoisseur and uh, and his lifter bot. <laughs> uh, this is uh, this is gonna be great to watch. I, I am certain that it will uh, go the full uh, three minutes or come close. Um, ultimately, it could very well come down to damage. I'm going to give it to Ribot. Okay, Ribot. Kyle, your thoughts? I, I, I Obviously, I think Ribot's going to win. Uh, but I'm going to vote for Overhaul because I love sumo bots. I want to watch something get lifted and flipped, and I want them to win. So I'm going to go ahead and, and vote my heart. I'm going to pull a Lindsay. Vote my heart. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say overhaul. <laughs> Good. All right, Lindsay. Uh, will you be voting with your heart? Your your prediction on this uh, fight, Ribot versus Overhaul. Voting my heart last episode got me like three correct guesses. So <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. But I, uh, regardless, uh, I'm gonna say Ribot. I'm gonna say Ribot. I don't know what uh, Overhaul will be able to like uh, make purchase on on Ribot. Um, so that's. That's my reasoning. Using all of my collective wisdom from from my nearly four decades, and I got like every single fight wrong last time. So <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> Lindsay, let's uh, let's stay with you and uh, a matchup of two of your favorite robots in the field. I know this. Orby Blade versus Scorpius. Your prediction. All right. First of all, so excited to see Blade. I've been waiting so impatiently now for a couple of years to see them in action here at BattleBots. So very, very excited. But despite that, I'm going to say Scorpios because Scorpios, you know, took a licking from Tombstone last year and they made it out on the other end and they survived. Um, and so if they can survive Tombstone, mm, probably good reasoning that they could survive Blade. But uh, yeah, we'll see. But yeah, Scorpios is my guess. Good. Uh, Chris, your prediction. I'm, uh, I'm probably, I'm probably also going to be in team Scorpios. Okay. Thoughts on that? Do you want to say more? No. (laughs) Okay, good. Kyle, as our resident contrarian, are you going to be going with uh, the group with Scorpios? Are you breaking the pack and uh, going with our futuristic tombstone from the future? It's, it's a futuristic tombstone from the future. Um, no, I am going to say, hey, 
that's kind of a jerky move from the selection committee uh, to, to be like, hey, welcome all the way from Korea in a pandemic. The first fight is going to be against a bot that's specifically designed to defeat the kind of bot that you are. Good luck. See you later. <laughs> so you're going to go with Scorpios. Is that right? Yeah. And also I'm going to say, what the heck, BattleBots? That was not nice. They drove all the way here from Korea. Like, come on, let them let them have a fair fight at first. Yeah, it's a very far drive, Kyle. Um, all right, uh, on to the next fight: Tubestone versus Mammoth, the King of Kinetic Energy versus our prehistoric Pachyderm. Your thoughts here? What, once again, uh, why would they do this to poor Mammoth? <laughs> um, listen, I guess they were like, "Hey, uh, hijinks didn't do the hijinks thing well enough to destroy a Mammoth." So we're just going to get the other thing that does it better uh, to destroy Mammoth. They, they just have it out for that bot this year. I don't know what the deal is. I don't know what Ricky did to make them upset. Um, but yeah, this is going to go to Tombstone. <laughs> Got it. All right. Lindsay, your prediction here. Uh, Kyle, I'm going to have to disagree. You laughed. Oh. Yeah. You laughed at the Mammoth hijinks pairing. And I was gonna say hijinks, and then I, I felt peer not not that you peer pressured me, but I felt the peer pressure to say hijinks. So you know what? Now I'm gonna try and rectify that uh, that missed call, and I'm gonna say mammoth. Hmm. Okay, Chris, your thoughts? One hundred percent, mammoth is gonna win this fight. Wow! I love it. All right, Chris, let's stay with you for the next uh, fight. It seems like the uh, the most uh, unevenly matched fight of the night, but maybe you'll disagree. Lucky versus Tantrum. 100% Tantrum's going to win this fight. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, Kyle, your, your thoughts? Yeah, they, they really like uh, this whole like old guard versus the new guard type of thing um right now and and it's i guess it's fun but uh yeah this is going to be a, a bloodbath and tantrum's going to win mm. Lindsay, uh do you agree will it be a bloodbath is this going to be a tantrum win i'm uh looking forward to seeing lucky after you know some time off but i do predict it will be tantrums to mm. win okay all right Lindsay, let's uh, stick with you for the next fight ghost raptor versus glitch your prediction this one is hard um but I'm going to go with my heart on this one, and I'm going to say Glitch. So it'll probably be Ghost Raptor. But uh, I'm really excited to see, to see Glitch. I think that is a really snazzy-looking bot. Okay. Kyle, your prediction. Ghost Raptor versus Glitch. Kind of new school versus old school. Yeah. It's just... You sh- I always want to vote for Ghost Raptor, but I never should. And I'm not going to this time. Glitch is going to win. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Chris, take us home. Uh, Ghost Raptor versus Glitch, your prediction. Uh, these are Glitch. Glitch seems very interesting. It's a little bit, uh, you know, it's a little bit Valkyrie. It's a little bit, you know, Egg Spinner. These kids went to, uh, what did they go to, uh, Berkeley? Um, Berkeley. Yeah, I think uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it to Glitch. Um, all right, and Chris, let's stick with you for our main event, 
Sablaze versus Mad Catter. Your prediction here. This is um, we've seen this uh, this driving matchup before, but at uh, at different weight classes. Um, I'm curious if I should be basing some of my analysis off of that, or if I should just be doing like a let's pull a let's pull a number out of a hat here. Jameson and Calvin. Uh, two fantastic drivers. Um, Mad Catter is dialed in. Sawblaze is looking incredible. I don't want to answer. Um, Luke, you were there. Do you know who wins? Uh, yes, I do. Can you tell me? Uh, no, I can't. Darn. Uh, all right, that was my idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm... I, so here's the thing that's really interesting. It's like Jameson really kind of relies on that, like that really, you know, tactile like scoop and then, you know, precise timing, drop the, you know, drop the, uh, the hammer saw, but like mad catter is not really a bot that you can do that with. So it's just going to be, you know, like a, uh, you know, a real battle of the drivers to see who can get around the, uh, the side or back of the other bot get the scoop and, and deliver some punishment. Um, man, I don't know. I really don't know the answer to this one. I would say that, uh, I'll give it to, I'm going to give it to Calvin. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Lindsay, your, your prediction, Sawblaze versus Mad Catter. This is another Aaron Catling special, you know, pairing two bots that, I think are going to make a legendary match. Um, I don't, I don't know how Sawblaze is going to scoop up Mad Catter. I don't see it happening. Um, but I think that they have other ways to make it work without necessarily like the classic scoop and take you to the corner. Um, and so I'm going to vote with both of my brain and my heart. And I'm going to say, Sawblaze till I die. All right, Sawblaze till you die. I love it. Kyle, are you uh, are you also Sawblaze until you die, or are you gonna go with Mad Catter? Ooh, um, yeah. Using Norwalk as your like basis for this is not necessarily a great idea because uh, you know uh, Megatron slash uh, Sawblaze is very very different from Silent Spring or Silent X. But um, I would say that this would be Sawblaze's fight to lose. This is literally the type of lo- robot that Sawblaze is designed to defeat. Um, so, yeah, I think Sawblaze is going to win it if all goes right for them. Okay, good. All right, uh, Kyle, let's stick with you for the YouTube exclusive fight, uh, dropping Thursday for supporters and Sunday for uh, non-supporters and everybody else. Uh, Retrograde versus Rampage. Your prediction there. This might be the YouTube fight that breaks the mold. Um, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, I'm going to give it to Retrograde, but honestly, we don't know anything about Retrograde except for we know the guy who built it. and We really like him. So, um, you know, uh, I'll go with that. Yeah, Retrograde. Okay, good. Lindsay, your prediction here. Um, I like sumo bots. Uh, suplex bots and I like Seth Schaefer uh, so my heart says retrograde okay retrograde and Chris your prediction copy paste okay retrograde 
All right. Uh, that wraps up this week's edition of Snap Decisions. Look for our post on Facebook later this week to send us your predictions. After the break, our interview with Hypershock Captain Will Bales. This interview is brought to you by MaxAmps and the company's new exclusive line of combat robotics batteries called Max Combat. Max Combat battery packs are built in the U.S. and designed for both durability and performance for combat robotics. Max Combat batteries come with custom wraps, including your team's logo, internal hard skins for extra protection, puncture-resistant wire sleeves, and a custom metal Max box for charging and storage. Check out the Max Combat section at MaxAmps.com. This week on the podcast, we have a very special returning guest, Hypershock Captain Will Bales. Will came up through the sport's dark years, competing in untelevised events in his home state of Florida, and later through the Bots IQ program. By the time BattleBots returned to TV in 2015, Will and his team were ready and introduced the world to Hypershock and its unique blend of style, speed, and fun. So let's get right into it. Uh, Will, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. All right. <laughs> this is Luke Stangle, by the way. Um, I'm just curious, right off the bat, Will, will season six be Hypershock's year? Obviously, I can't give away any spoilers, but we had a great time. I knew that that was going to be an ambiguous answer. <laughs> we had a good time. You know, the robot looks good. Um, I showed up and had felt the least amount of stress that I've ever felt. Uh, we had the biggest team we've ever had. At one point, we actually had two Hypershocks sitting next to each other in the pits ready to go. Um, so in terms of preparedness, although, yes, we did build the robot for the first time on site, we were the most prepared and the most squared away this year. That's awesome. We, you know, we, we had uh, some of our own questions that we wanted to, to ask, but we have uh, more questions from the, the, the builder community and, and the, the overall BattleBots community than we've maybe ever had before. So we're going to jump right into it so we don't have a three-hour interview. <laughs> um, we'll begin with a first or series of uh, questions from BattleBots superfan Alexander Archer, who wants to know, does that win over Slamo give you confidence that this version of Hypershock will be the best one of its BattleBots careers? Yes, um, th there was one major concern that we had. You know, obviously, new robot, you know, new chassis, new components. There's always some first fight jitters, right? You know, you, you don't know what's going to go wrong. Uh, the biggest concern we had was the weapon hub. Uh, this year is made out of magnesium. We did that so that we could improve the uh, weapon efficiency, um, kinetic energy efficiency, and beef up the weapon disc to be inch and a quarter thick instead of an inch thick. Uh, since we're sticking with S7, unlike everyone else who's running away with their hair on fire uh, and broken teeth. So the big concern was that our our magnesium hub would just kind of explode or, or shear and not be pretty anymore. <laughs> and then we'd be hosed. So we actually showed up with the uh, Season 5 weapons uh, as a backup plan in mm. case everything went downhill really fast. And so that magnesium, um, that's you, how much weight did you end up saving using, using magnesium? I want to say we saved like four pounds in the hub, uh, and then we put it back into the disc. So it allowed us to go from, um, you know, one inch thick weapon discs to, uh, inch and a quarter on either side. Um, 
whilst maintaining the same mass overall of the of the spinning weapon. So we actually increased our um, kinetic energy. We and uh, despite the fact that we didn't actually change the mass of the weapon. Also, based on that first fight, Alexander wants to know: Have all of the reliability issues that plagued Hypershop in the past been solved? I think so. Uh, this is the first year that we maintained a drivetrain. Uh, it was the same motor, the same controller. We upped the voltage from uh, 12, 12S to 16S, um, but the guts are the same. And for the weapon, we took last year's weapon uh, drivetrain, just doubled it up. So it's the same motor that we're using for the drive, uh, just two of them butt to butt on, on a common shaft. Uh, and so in a lot of ways, we kept the one thing that was pretty good, which which you've never done before, frankly. <laughs> we always change everything. Um, and at least based on that first match, uh, yeah, I'd say that those kinds of reliability issues are gone. That's that's pretty awesome. Something, um, you know, where I was like, I was kind of shouting like, holy, holy cow. I, I can't believe like, you know, Hypershock out of nowhere with an opener like that. That was the coolest thing I've ever seen. Um, you and me both. <laughs> and you know like one of the first things that i had um you know initially had a, a a bad gut feel about was you know the the new shelf that had been introduced and like hypershock's historic ability to kind of like drive and strafe around such a large open area and was that going to cause a problem but you almost use some of those nooks and crannies to your advantage which was uh which was really great to see yeah we, we slammed into the shelf um by accident. Uh, and so we, we damaged the front right tire or the front right rim uh, in that slam-up fight. Um, so it, it does get in the way. It's something that you do have to consider. Um, but I kind of like the alleys on either side, those little pits of doom. And um, you'll see as the event goes, you know, progresses that uh, people get more and more comfortable with the shelf and take more and more advantage of it. Uh, and it'd be interesting to see what a, a poll of all the builders is now versus before the, the event. Oh, that's really good. Maybe that's something that we actually do, um, you know, in our uh, behind the bots uh, social media channels. Go uh, for it. Yeah. Uh, so Alex also wants to know, and this is a this is a very hot topic. Speaking of hot topic, what color are you planning to dye your hair if Hypershock gets a top 10 seed in the top, top 32 championship tournament? <laughs> well, it's it's been a, a few haircuts since uh, filming, so um, uh, there's no spoilers on my head. But there were a lot of people on uh, our team with hot pink uh, hair, and so my, my now wife, uh, was Alex, she... Um, was dyeing it on site for her hair. So chances are, if I was going to dye my hair there, I'd use her color. That's it. Yeah. And I apologize again for that wonderful Photoshop on the internet of Luke's head on your head. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I scared myself. It's uh, it's top notch. Alex wants to know, why did the team drastically change Hypershock's appearance between ABC seasons two and discovery season three? That's a great question. Um, so there was a year gap but, uh, between the ABC seasons and the Discovery seasons. And we said, okay, the the show is, is coming back. We had a year gap. Um, the robot never quite looked how we wanted it to. We always wanted it to be a little bit 
uh, you know, more race car like, um, you know, just next level, less of a box. Uh, and we thought, okay, this is our chance. This is the new show. This is our chance to to just really knock it out of the park. Get a toy. <laughs> that was always the goal. Um, so we got the the racing suits. We did uh, the new logo. We need we did all the yellow. Um, it really committed to yellow instead of that you know neon green that so many other robots were using. Uh, and uh, it looked great. Um, we had um, functional issues that. that killed us that year but um i, I think it, it kind of set us off for prioritizing uh aesthetic design and and form um first which <laughs> just plagued us but i think we finally figured it out should they bring back the best driver award since you're the only winner of that award in in history good question um <laughs> there's certainly some people who could win it you know um uh matt vasquez certainly um could should win it um like lately uh there, there's a lot of really good drivers um i don't see why not how would you fare against other best drivers like daniel freitas matt vasquez and jameson go this is a great question uh it's tough to say because it's not just the drivers right it's how how well they can drive their robot um there are there are really great robots that are well that are that can drive well, and there are really great drivers, but not all the great drivers are paired with well-driving robots. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I'm not going to point out any names specifically, um, <laughs> but not all the great drivers have great driving robots, and not all the great driving robots are well-driven. Um, and so if I had to, I, I mean, I will say that Jameson is scary. No matter what, uh, I'm terrified of Sawblaze. I, my thought going into the event was Sawblaze was a shoe in to win. Um, so yeah, Jameson and Sawblaze would uh, would probably kick our butt, and and I'd be okay with that. I think we could take Minotaur. Um, it, it would be really fun to have like a spec series <laughs> where everyone has the same robot, almost just a, a, a side show of, of the event. You give everyone D2 kits and just see how it goes. Um, th that'd be a lot of fun. It's really interesting too, because I, I look at it as there's different definitions of what, what a great driver is. And and I really, I'm really glad that uh, Alexander chose, you know, these three other dri drivers to kind of put a alongside of you where, you know, uh, like Daniel is, you know, just, hyper aggressive and Matty Vasquez is kind of, uh, you know, more of a defensive posture, but knows how to control, control, control. And Jameson goes just kind of like, he's a very tactical driver. Like what, uh, what word would you use to describe your driving? Uh, sporadic, <laughs> chaotic. Um, our, our goal is to be fast and keep everyone off their toes. Um, it seems to work. You saw us in season four uh, against Valkyrie, against Monsoon. Uh, we had some really great matches where we were setting the pace and and that gave us the win. Um, you kind of saw it again with, with us against uh, Slamo. Not, not Sawblaze. I wish we could fight Sawblaze and die. Um, but yeah, so against Slamo. And um, when we're fast and we're setting the pace, then when we're doing well. Um, yeah. Um, so I, we might have already touched on this, but Drew Monteith writes, Hypershock is one of my favorite bots and teams, 
but Hypershock isn't supposed to be tuned in this early in the season. What do you attribute the early success you've seen thus far in season six? Uh, so I sold my soul to, uh, to Paul Ventimiglia. <laughs> no, it, it's, we, we simplified, right? So we don't have a self-writer this year. We threw that out. Uh, it was 30 pounds more or less of, of components and space inside the robot and armor and all, all the extra complication that was now an added subsystem that we had to design, uh, perfect, uh, and, and spend money on. It was, it was 30, 30 pounds of the robot and it was like a $10,000 investment last year. So if we could spend that 10 grand elsewhere and that time elsewhere and that weight elsewhere, then we could beef up the weapon. We could um, you know, really hone in on the drivetrain uh, and focus on the things that matter, going fast and hitting things hard. <laughs> I'm really glad that you went on to explain further because there's no way that you pulled together all of the artifacts that you would need to summon Paul Ventimiglia. <laughs> it's a very complicated... Well, I've got lots of parts of his robot that I've slowly chipped off. <laughs> I picture a jar in your house. It's just like yeah. a bunch of parts. He has more parts of us, but but I've got enough to, to summon at least a couple good first matches. I love it. All right. I have a, a question here from Stuart Hunt, uh, and it's a hard-hitting question. Does Hypershock's reputation for leaving everything until last minute spur you on to keep doing things that way, or does it annoy you? Uh, yes and no. A little, a little bit of both. Um it's justification <laughs> when when we do leave it to the last minute. Um, you want to perform, right? I want to perform. I want the robot to do well. I want my teammates to be proud of what we're working on. Um, unfortunately, the whole event uh, leading up to uh, filming, you know, getting the getting sponsors figured out, designing the robot, um, all of it is such a compressed time frame. And we're so spread out that it's really hard to put a robot together. And then you add on to it that we're trying not to be just another aluminum box. Um, it's all the aesthetic uh, design that has to go into it additionally. You know, Isaac and I, our, our designer, we go back and forth a lot, You know, probably for weeks, about um, weapon shape and uh, bot chassis design and how the armor is going to lay out and what we're going to do. You know, What are the forks going to look like? What are the... What's the wedge going to look like? And so we put all this effort in that isn't necessary to win an event, uh, but is necessary for the the entertainment level that we want to provide. Uh, so inevitably, we're putting it together at the last minute. Uh, luckily, this year, we, <laughs> thanks to our, our Paul Ventimiglia Shrine, I guess, and and simplifying a little bit and, and more people, um, you know, we, we, we were ready for the first fight. and. And just the way that everything's going so far in the event shows um, in my ability to sleep and my lack of stress and how well the robot's doing. I have a question here from Will Hahn who writes, hi, Will. Hi, Will. Will goes on to say, I recently watched Bots High and watched you tear up opponents with Fluffy. I was wondering, <laughs> what made you develop the Hypershock design rather than something as bonkers as Fluffy as a heavyweight scale? Sincerely, your fellow Will. Well, um, a gentleman with such a great name. Uh, it's important to answer that question carefully. Okay, so so for people who haven't seen Bots High, uh, it's a documentary about um, 
high school kids doing robots and, and I happened to be in it. Uh, my robot at the time with, with my teammates, Tyler and Alex, was uh, Fluffy. It was a 15-pound robot with a very big weapon. It had a very big um, you know, spinning drum. Uh, kind of the same scaling as Pardon My French. Um, and the problems that we saw there, we were predicting would happen in the heavyweights. And I think we're starting to see some of that with Pardon My French. It's so front heavy. And it's hard to drive that thing. And the gyro, like they said in the, in the special uh, fight that got released on Sunday on YouTube, it's impossible to drive. So we knew that uh, at the heavyweight scale, that just wasn't going to work. The gyro dancing wasn't going to cut it. Um, and at least originally, when the show was coming back and we wanted to pitch something, we knew we wanted to do more than just a drum. Um, and so we had four-wheel drive. We had big, you know, big tires. Um, and we had hydraulic lifting arms. And of course, the hydraulic lifting arms never worked. We at best used some electronic ones to to swat some drones out of the sky. Uh, and now we're we're just a drum again. But there's a certain proportional balance that we were looking for that uh, Fluffy just didn't have. And uh, so so we went hypershock route instead. Pain trained team member Alex Peza who competes at Norwalk Havoc with his Beetleweight Yes Chef, writes, Hey Will, I love your chaotic driving style. Are your wheels more look over function, or have they always been the number one choice? Uh, we chose those tires um, because they were the lightest uh, tires. They were the grippiest tires we could find. You know, The softest, stickiest um, go-kart rain tires we could find. Um, and we scoured the universe for, for tires and other solutions. And we knew we wanted something big because of the styling. Um, but it's turned out that these big tires, foam-filled, um, are pretty good ablative armor. And I'll say ablative in air quotes because obviously they're wheels. But we accept that we'll lose a couple tires in a match, and that's fine. Um, the outer rim will get mangled, and that's fine. We don't really care. Um, we, as long as we we can move around with, I'll say one and a half wheels, we can move, uh, two would be nice, but, but the big wheels are, are great in the sense that they act as kind of keep away sticks, um, to all the juicy, you know, expensive bits on the inside. So, um, the really big tires are actually helping protect a lot of things where, we'd have to use you know, big sheets of titanium or, or steel instead. So we're happy with them. While we're on the uh, subject of wheels, I have another good wheel-related question from retrograde uh, team member Seth Schaefer, who also builds the Beetleweight division. Uh, Seth first writes a, a compliment. Thank you so much for the builder logs. These are so unbelievably helpful for other builders. As a person who likes to share uh, details of my own builds, I really appreciate when others share their dirty secrets. Might need to take some of that inspiration from your modular approach. <laughs> Seth goes on to ask, I have always been very curious about your choice of wheels. I know there are some sort of go-kart tire with the added foam fill, but I'm curious what initially led you to choose those uh, those wheels in particular. Also, the drive system on Hypershock is obviously a huge advantage. How did you decide which motors and ESCs to use? Okay, so to, to finish off the tires, so they are um, Vega W6 um, rain tires. So the fronts, um, you know, front tires. So they're 4.2 inch wide. They're 10 inch diameter. They use a five inch rim. Uh, they're 
the lightest we could find. I think it's 1.185 kilos. Um, we use uh, Flex Foamit 4 uh, foam from SmoothOn. It's four pounds per cubic foot. It's the same stuff that um, Sawblaze is using now. It's what Uppercut should be using. Hint, hint. Um, <laughs> but they didn't. Um, but it, it's, it's great foam. Uh, it's hard to work with because it's like a 35-second pot life. But uh, but if you can figure it out, it works great. Nice and uh, cushy on the tires. And especially because we're four-wheel drive, we can afford a little bit of squat, if you will. And I think that helps with the contact patch and getting better grip. Um, yeah, we, we chose those wheel those tires because we had gone with uh, Carefreeze, and Carefreeze are surprisingly slippery. You know, they're just foam. Uh, so we wanted more grip, and so we went to the tires, and that's kind of where we, to lead into the second part of the question, we, we started having issues. Uh, we swapped to those tires uh, in Season 3 when we did the massive redesign. And every year since then, up until about last year, we had these issues where the we we couldn't keep our motors from burning up or our speed controllers from burning up because we had so much grip and we were geared so aggressively for such a high speed that we needed to find a, a motor and motor controller solution that fit with our our goals and with our tires because again they were so sticky we couldn't do burnouts we would actually get stuck under people and it was a problem uh, last year we got stuck under Mammoth, uh, if you recall. So, um, so this year's, you know, hot setup is new motor 8038, 100kV variant, uh, and the Trampa 75300 um, big uh, motor controllers uh, that we've repackaged for our own uh, use, and the AS5147P encoder chip. Um, which was very technical, but that's the whole bit. And we're running at 16S. So we're geared down. So we have more torque still geared for 25 miles an hour. Um, and it's just kind of where we ended up where the motor doesn't blow up. The controller doesn't blow up. We can, you know, I can stand on the, the robot and smoke all the tires uh, up against the wall and, and everything is working great. So it, it took us a while, but we finally figured it out. Mario Cast, uh, you just answered his question before about the manufacturer of those great racing wheels, but uh, Mario also wants to know, where did the name Hypershock originate from? <laughs> Hypershock was the name we hated the least. So we, we went into uh, Season 5 not knowing what we were going to call it, and at the time, we wanted to call it uh, Coup de Grasse. Now, uh, we were going to use the phonetic spelling of coup de grace. The one problem with that is that when you use the phonetic spelling of something and you can't agree between your teammates of whether or not it's coup de gras or coup de grace, um, that's not going to bode well for a, a team name. <laughs> so, so we said, all right, that's not going to work. So what, are we, what do we want? We want it chantable. So we want uh, three syllables um, where the last syllable is the hardest syllable. So hyper shock. You notice that witch doctor doesn't work. Um, so hypershock um, kind of fit that. We wanted hard consonants, um, and we wanted. You know, we were thinking about you know how the theming would go, and especially early on, we had kind of thunderbolts and stuff as part of the the styling. So we started a, a massive spreadsheet 
of prefixes and suffixes and buzzwords, and we started mixing and mashing them together. And we looked at the list and we voted on which ones we liked. And the one we all hated the least was Hypershock. I love it. Bloodsport team member and noted grammarian Curtis Honeycutt wants to know, can you talk about your approach to branding? Hypershock's branding is phenomenal. Not just the merch, although that is absolutely top notch, but the whole vibe and your approach as a team. Uh, it helps to have a designer on your team. Um, first and foremost, Isaac, you're talking about uh, what changed in season three. We got Isaac. Uh, he's an incredible uh, graphic designer. And as his skills have grown and our, t- our team has grown through the show, uh, we more and more refined our look. Uh, and he figured out the, the new lettering, the new, you know, bar logo we call it um in season three and we kind of stuck with it ever since uh and so every year we're, we're trying to tweak it and, and make it a little bit better you know we tried um you know some teal colors in season four didn't really like it took them out for season five season six now we've kind of you know minimized the colors so it's a bit easier for for production and and silk screening and things like that um but the big thing is he is very good at figuring out the whole big picture. So like I said before, we sit on, on the computer and send pictures back and forth about what the robot should look like and how the aesthetic should look. And, and every shape on the robot is considered. Um, and then once the cat is done, then he spends even more time figuring out where the vinyl should go and in the right coloring and the right balance and the right, you know, sponsored logo size and figuring out where everything belongs so it doesn't look like a mess and it doesn't look like it's missing something um and we've committed to that everywhere so the uniforms the robot uh, tire stickers um we, we, even our pit this year was was over the top we had a massive uh tire or floor sticker on the ground uh in our pit um and the, the neon signs and and the whole you know the whole nine yards we've committed at a high level to the aesthetic of the team. And sometimes that means that we're doing things until the very last minute. Um, but we hope that it pays off. And I think that it, it pays off in, in how fans see the team and, um, and it's recognizable. And that's our goal. Hey, well, I'm going to be taking over for Chris. And I just wanted to say, I mean, it, it really creates such a cohesive, look from top to bottom um so your designer is really uh doing an an incredible job thank you (laughs) he's he's doing a great job (laughs) um so we actually have a a a few other questions about your aesthetic so this is a a good question about design choices from francois frall pelsé who writes uh first thanks for the builder logs they're awesome um and he, he goes on to say that hypershock is one of the most beautiful bots out there so how important is the aesthetic of the bot and how do you manage the balance between aesthetic and functionality? Are the aesthetics directly by the people designing the bot or is there someone else responsible? So I know you kind of touched on that, but I don't know if you have anything else to add. Right. So, so Isaac and I are, are back and forth about design and, and we open it up to the whole team and we're having these discussions in public uh, on our, our private discord server um, about, you know, what the weapon shape should be, what the, the, the overall balance should be. And, and every once in a while, 
someone uh, who's just kind of watching <laughs> throw, throws in a great idea and, and it gets implemented. So it's not just Isaac and I. Um, this is a passion project. We want it to be fun. And one of the things that makes it fun for us is um, is making it cool, making it the coolest possible toy that we can, uh, both in the figurative sense of we're making a 250 pound toy. And also, you know, we still want one day to have a Hexbug toy. So what would you want as a little kid, you know, crawling the, the aisles of a Walmart or a Target? Um, what would catch your eye? And so we, we want to do things that are not a box. That's the other thing. Uh, so like this year, the, the invertibility horns uh, on either side of the weapon, you put them in an angle. Why? Because it looks cool. Um, you know, could I make up some excuses about, oh, it's better flexure when we are you know, upside down? Yeah, sure. But first and foremost, it looks cool. Um, same with the forks. Could they have been a different shape that was maybe more effective? Probably. But uh, but we like them. Uh, the the wedge shape, same thing. The the top armor with the hump down the middle, um, it looks cool. It, yes, it also provides a, a big air pocket over the top, which we think is pretty good for um, overhead hits from hammers and and uh, hammer saws and power saws now. Um, but it's because it looks cool and and because it makes us happy. Uh, so my job as the 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 CAD designer, the, the engineer uh, of the bunch, is to take those constraints and figure out how to cram in as much performance and much uh, functionality as I can. Uh, so that And it's, it's a balance of making sure that it still looks cool uh, while performing. And it, that's, that's what we decided as a team is important, so that's what we do. Uh, so going back to what you were saying about the hex bug, like who do I have to file a petition with to make that happen? Because it's it's kind of <laughs> unbelievable that there's not already a hypershock hex bug. Well, we got close um, at the end of season two after we hit the drone with the rake. Um, they made a prototype, and it was at uh, New York Toy Fair, um, but the the show got uh, canceled on ABC, and then there was a year delay so uh instead of getting a new uh hypershock toy we got uh we got an amazing new witch doctor toy we got a new to uh, tombstone we got a, a a minotaur um and those were great and, and unfortunately hypershock didn't perform that year you know it was, it was aesthetically pleasing but a uh, performance bust so uh we've been trying <laughs> begging to get back to a toy since then. Uh, who do you have to, to pay off? I don't know. When I find out, I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please do. I mean, you know, if there's an upside to any of this, I think Hypershock is the coolest it's ever looked this year. So if you're going to make a toy out of it, I mean, this might be the one to go with. This would be the good one. I, I bet there's more space for triple A's. <laughs> So we have another um, aesthetics-related question from Andre Cruz, who wants to know, uh, what inspired you guys to go with such a loud 80s synthwave aesthetic? It's such a cool aesthetic, and it really makes the bot stand apart. It's what we like. Um, you know, it's we're, we're mostly 90s kids, um, but the 80s aesthetic was something that we enjoyed. Um, you know, we all had like Taiko RC cars growing up, and so those bright, vibrant colors and... Um, and angly, you know, pseudo spaceship, pseudo race car kind of stylings um, just make us happy. And it's what we think is cool. Um, we we also saw 
a, a niche that wasn't being filled at the time. Um, you know, now with hijinks, um, we, we have another eighties buddy with good coloring, but there was a lot of red. There was a lot of neon green and a lot of black. Uh, and that was the extent of the majority of everyone's color schemes for battle pots. And we said, okay, what's the opposite of all this, uh, neon yellow and pink. And so go. And that's what we, what we did. Uh, it makes us happy and it's fun and helps us stand out. I love it. All right. So Will, we have now reached the part of the interview, uh, titled the rake section, uh, (laughs) And this is where we read to you all of the rake-related questions, uh, of which there are many. I'm sure. <laughs> it's like I'm seasons sorry. ago. Seasons and seasons ago at this point, but you'll never live it down. So um, the first one is from Nick Volcano, who has a very cool last name. Nick Volcano writes, what was the genesis of the rake idea? As in, who came up with it? Why did everyone decide to go along with it? And did you even expect it to work? Uh, okay, I'll, I'll answer those in order. Uh, season two, they started to allow drones. Uh, and no one knew what a drone could do other than put a flamethrower on it. And they had explicitly said that flamethrower drones were allowed, but it was only up to 10 pounds. And and there were other restrictions. They couldn't have more than 16 ounces of, of fire or maybe even half of that. There, there were some limitations on it. So we knew that a whole bunch of people were going to show up with really expensive flamethrower drones. And we thought that was really stupid. So we said, you know what? We should have a way to attach something else to the to the robot so that we can hit them out of the sky. And in Hypershock form, we made part of that, you know, the thing to attach something like a broomstick to it, but we never actually like finished uh, <laughs> because we were rushing to the event. And so on one of our, our runs around town trying to get hardware, um, to finish the robot at filming, my mom calls us, uh, who's on Mohawk at the time, says, hey, I'm at the hardware store. You need anything? And Tyler, teammate, who is in charge of uh, the arms uh, and soon-to-be rake, just screamed out, buy a rake. And we had already been uh, matched up against Warrior Dragon, so we so we all kind of instantly knew, oh, I see where you're going with this. And so we bought a, a, a thick wall aluminum tube to replace the wooden stick uh the wooden you know pole that was the 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 handle of the rake and we bolted that on and it was like six feet long or something stupid eight feet long it was really long and um everyone looked at us like we they were looking at a whole bunch of idiots in the in the pits because we were a whole bunch of idiots with a rake on our robot um and we started to get nervous that it wasn't going to work and so right before the fight, we, we, I don't know if we said it on camera or just amongst ourselves, but we decided this is going to either be really amazing or we're going to look like complete fools. And luckily, Tyler um, timed it perfectly, and he snatched the warrior dragon right out of the sky, got it on the ground, and gave me enough time to spin up the weapon, hit it, and you know blow up their, their butane tank, and... And thus the rake was born. And for the most part, fired breathing drones went away. <laughs> legendary. Absolutely legendary. Um, another rake related question from Elaine Milton. Uh, does Hypershock have any rake advertising roles in its future? Haha, uh, seriously, this is the most powerful Hypershock I've ever seen. I hope you go far in the tourney. Well, thank you. 
Um, if any rake manufacturers want to sponsor us, I am all ears. Uh, we tried to get Home Depot, no dice. Uh, we tried to get Ames, the company who made the rake um, that we actually used, to sponsor us, and they responded with a no. Uh, so if any, if any other rake manufacturers want um, a very niche um, promotion, <laughs> we're your, your people. We've got a lot of rake manufacturers listening to the pod, so uh, we might be able to hook you up. It's a big demographic, you know, rake users. They never leave us alone. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, that one was a big pile. Oh, God. Okay. Uh, another rake question from Beetleweight Builder, Kikoto Main, who asks, I'm just going to ask the question we're all thinking. Did Hypershock use the rake during any of its 2021 fights? Spoiler alert, Kikoto. Jeez. All I can say is that there is a picture of an armor panel that says rake compatible. Ooh. Okay. Okay. It doesn't mean we used one, but it does say rake compatible. And surely our branding on the robot would never lie about compatibility. <laughs> we, we won't fall for that one. We got to run out. <laughs> he never runs out of puns. That's his unfortunate superpower. <laughs> uh, so Noel Viegas wants to know, will you ever... Okay, another another rake question. Will you ever bring back the rakes after they did you dirty in season four? I, I Maybe we got the answer to that. The, the magic of the rake is that it was spur of the moment. Uh, and some of the most fun we've ever had um, at BattleBots was actually putting them on for that huge fight. Yes, they got in the way and there were better ways to do it, but the 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 charm of it for for us, I think, and for the show is that it's a last minute spur of the moment harebrain scheme. And when it works, it's amazing. And if, when it doesn't, you can laugh at us and we look like idiots. So, um I would never say that we won't do it. Um but it would have to be a good reason and it would have to be just harebrained and wacky enough that it just might work. Have you ever considered a bike rack? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, you see, I want interesting <laughs> fights. And so... Oh! I fought huge Burn. with two rakes. <laughs> it was a way more interesting <laughs> fight. <laughs> and we had more damage. Yeah. that. I mean, that was a great fight. Um, so what made you want to add forks to Hypershock after resisting for so long? Uh, it was a necessary evil, a moment of weakness. Uh, the Thursday before, or the Wednesday or Thursday before filming, I was like, you know what? We need forks. I don't want forks, but we're going to need them. Because everyone else had forks. And unfortunately, the finals of season five was a, was a fork fest. It was who had, it, was it Whiplash with the better forks or Endgame with the better forks? Well, it turns out that really, really long, stupid, skinny forks were the best thing. Um, and we knew also based on our performance last year that not having something was going to be a problem. And so we did a lot to try to stick the weapon out further from the chassis. And that, I think, certainly helps us this year. Um, but we knew we had to have some kind of answer for the fork game. Um we, we were debating with uh, with our workshop mates, uh, Witch Doctor, whether or not to do anything. And we were, we were trying to hold out. Um, but 
we didn't. Uh, and unfortunately for everybody else, they seem to work really well. Yeah, although I'm noticing um, maybe like half and half the forks just get all mangled and then impede the driving. So I, I wonder if the forks will, you know, eventually kind of uh, burn out and make the way for the next iteration. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Um, we ended up with very thick forks. They're half inch AR500. So, you know, they're the same thickness as Jackpot's weapon. Um, oh, wow. So they don't really bend all that much. Uh, as compared to some of the others. Uh, and, and we have four of them all up up front. And it's basically all the weight that we would put into a wedge, we put into those forks and maybe some top armor for, you know, shatter or, or the like. Um, so we, we definitely went a slightly different route. Um, but yes, I, I agree with you. There's lots of robots that we've seen in the last couple episodes where at the end of the match, th they look like, you know, broken fingers on the front of the robot. And that doesn't work either. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so uh, Noel goes on to ask, who do you want to fight the most after your big slamo win? Um, who do you want to fight is always a tough one, especially when it's asked by a producer, because it's it's a trick question. <laughs> because if you say, oh, I want to fight Sawblaze, then guess what? You get to fight Sawblaze and you're going to lose. Um, but you, uh, if you say, I want to fight an easy robot, then there's two risks there. One, it's not an interesting fight. Uh, or it's too, um, you know, disproportionate of a match and it doesn't make air. Or you lose a robot that, uh, against a robot that you sh were supposed to beat. And that lo looks bad, too. Um, so at this point, we were feeling good. Um, but we didn't really know who we wanted to fight. Um, I, I think it's safe to say I don't want to fight spinners. So we'll see who we get next. <laughs> Um, so his last question is, what is your favorite piece of Hypershock merch that you sell? Oh, man. Um, I'm really liking the pocket tees that, that we did this year. Um, it's an applique on, you know, pocket with a, with a Hypershock kitty on it. And I, I just love it. Um, and I'm also happy that we found a, a better source for the the bar logo tees so that they are vinyl transferred instead of just direct to garment they look a lot better just more pro um so between the you know hypershock bar tee and the uh the pocket tee that's those are my faves cool so speaking of merch we've got a good question from tara fisher who wants to know how many seventy thousand dollar hypershocks have you sold through the merch store uh one less than i'd like to <laughs> uh none yet um if you want one i'll, I'll you know, contact us directly and I'll, we'll give you a nice discount uh but but no one is foolish enough to buy one yet tara you can be the first i know great opportunity <laughs> get in on the ground floor. only one only one <laughs> Um, so thought-provoking questions from Daniel Tuffin, who writes, well, could you give us a three-word no-context spoiler for the round of 32? Just three words that'll make absolutely no sense now, but in time will become relevant. Oh, that's tricky. Uh, a 32 spoiler? As in it spoils the who gets into the top 32? I think that's what he's hoping for. Okay, okay. What do you mean they don't get three fights? Well, that's, a, that's not three words. <laughs> three fights. Okay. Okay. Only two fights? Question mark, exclamation point. 
Ooh. <laughs> okay. Wait and see, Daniel, for what that means in a couple months. Um, so if you could attach... All right, we're, we're now back to the right questions, I guess. Naturally. It's, Naturally. It's a safe space. <laughs> if you could attach garden or household utensils to another robot, what would they be? Huge with a giant ladle? Tombstone with a sprinkler hose? I guess this is a nice little like uh, riff on, on the rakes. Oh, let's see. What, what What's good stuff? I think um, I think hijinks with two hedge trimmers would be great. Ooh, like you know, spinning hedge trimmers. That's terrifying. I like that. All right. Yeah, that's that's my bet. <laughs> um, can you tell us about a potential change to Hypershock that was initially considered and then rejected? Really enjoying watching your fights this year. Can't wait to see how far you go. Oh man, which one should I tell you? Because there's some that we might still do. Um, uh, season one, Hypershock, we were going to put a cannon on it. In fact, we were going to put three cannons because we didn't know how to do a reloading system. So it was going to be like a modular um, design. And it would either be the, the double disc, disc thing, or uh, a cannon. You know, um, luckily we didn't do that. And uh, it's probably for the better because Double Jeopardy has done it better than anyone else. Um, and still they're having issues. So, uh, yeah, cannon. No Hypershot cannon. Sorry. <laughs> One day, maybe. Um, so Shuntcast co-host Dale Bruce wants to know, how's married life? And congratulations, Will, by the way, uh, to you and Alex. Oh, thank you very much. It's great. Uh uh no i did not marry the woman in the in the audience with the marry me will bail sign um i married alex um uh, alexandra uh sh she was at filming actually that was her first battle bots and i don't know if she, she was my girlfriend at the time uh i i don't know she had the uh she had the saw blaze sign <laughs> no, no, no. She was she was on the team. She she actually wired up the second robot all by herself. So um she she's definitely in it. Uh she she's one of us now. But yeah, so she she saw the um the the woman with that sign, and I don't know what her thoughts were. I think she was a little taken aback and not sure how to how to respond. Like, what do you say when there's people asking to marry your boyfriend on national television? But but she didn't run away with her hair on fire. Um, and so, yeah, we got married and, and I've never been happier. She, she is definitely part and parcel of why I was so stress-free at filming. Um, it's just, it's wonderful to have her around. And she's so great and really good at just picking things up and working on the robot and angle grinding things, wiring things up, soldering stuff, um, you know, putting modules in and out, changing out weapons. She, she does it all. It's awesome. That's awesome. That makes me smile. Congratulations. Thank you. So uh, Chris Horry writes, Tale of the Tape will be missed this season, but I guess you're no longer being overshadowed by Technical T-Rex. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that jerk. <laughs> Any plans for some kind of supplemental build show? We'll see. Um, it, Tale of the Tape was a massive undertaking. Uh you guys know, because um, you, you were part of it uh, with all the, the fan questions. Uh, Andrea put so much effort into it. So basically, here was our our timeline, right? So 
sometime Tuesday, Wednesday, we'd have to ask Greg Munson for an advanced copy of the episode so that we could start cutting it down into parts that we could, you know, clip. Thursday was the episode, and we had to watch that to yeah, at some point to figure out what, what happened. Uh, and then we spent most of Friday, you know, Friday evening, uh, trying to figure out what we were going to say in uh, Tale of the Tape. Then we'd spend all day Saturday um, figuring out what the script was, filming it. And then, honestly, the most amount of work was writing and filming the technical T-Rex bits because we they had to be right. They couldn't be wrong. Um, and so we had shouting matches about what was right or wrong about fundamental things about um, robot design. And there are plenty of questions that we would have loved to answer that we couldn't distill down into something that we all agreed wasn't a lie. Um, so unfortunately those got missed, but then, you know, sometimes that spilled over into Sunday. Um, and then Andrea had to take all that footage and we had, uh, Jeff who was doing all the audio, um, and edit it down into a, something they could post by, I think it was Tuesday they were trying to post. So you had like Wednesday off. Um, and, and it was just so much work. And so we said this year, you know, part of the reason we started Tale of the Tape when we did was there was nothing else. Uh, teams weren't doing their own content. No one was doing their own videos. Uh, Behind the Bots didn't exist. There basically were no po uh, podcasts. There was one called Inside the Bot for a little while from uh, Gabe Stroud from from beta slash uh saber but now there's the content right so there's so much more now um that wasn't there when we started and so it wasn't as needed and so instead we're putting the effort into our own content you know kyle's putting all this effort into our uh build blogs um uh, which are amazing and everyone seems to love um and you know, we'll, we'll see. You never know if Tactical T-Rex makes an appearance every once in a while. You never know. Ooh, okay, okay. Um, I mean, I just want, I want to personally thank you and the team for making those last year. They were all so incredible. And uh, I don't think people fully realize, like, how much effort goes into every single part of making a video and so like oh it's so much it's so much it's like a herculean effort um and so to you know have to do that week in and week out i mean the, the fact that you did it for all of last season and you know you you'd done it previous to that too like it's just so much time so thank you for, for doing yeah. it well and i feel for you podcast is only slightly less work you know, <laughs> yeah you don't have to edit video but you still have to do all the audio and it's it's a lot so all y'all listening to this appreciate it and shout out because you said that shout out to our fearless editor uh nicole who has been doing such an amazing job these last i don't know six months or so so uh, always uh trying to shout out nicole when we can yeah good job nicole way to be i'm proud of you yeah yeah. <laughs> so uh, Luke said that your team dealt with the static problem in the pits the best. Can you talk about <laughs> the static this year and how you solved for it? Okay. So for, for those who are unaware, we all show up to filming and it's in Vegas, very hot, very dry, uh, very dry, especially for a whole bunch of uh, Miami kids. Uh, and the floor were all these plastic panels. And what no one had considered is when you're rubbing your feet along plastic floor tiles all day long and there's like, I don't know, 
stainless steel workbenches everywhere, you shocked the bejeebus out of yourself all the time. Uh, and it was awful. Uh, so everyone had their, their different ways of handling it. Um, and we kind of stole some, some inspiration from hijinks and from Kraken. But long story short, we, we put aluminum foil tape um, in a grid on the floor um, all across our, our pit. And everyone had little um, things on their shoes that are ESD dissipation, you know, things. Uh, so we, we all had this massive setup, uh, and it was great. And we, we stopped getting shocked, and it was wonderful. Um, but it was a big issue. Um, everyone was terrified that we were going to blow up electronics just, you know, from static electricity. Uh, and it was painful and annoying. Um, so, yeah, that was our solution. That's awesome. Um, so one question, uh, one more question from Chris Horry before I send you over to Kyle, uh, who says, congrats on your wedding, by the way. Your wife can be seen getting her hands dirty in the pits, so we know she's very involved. What else are you able to tell us about her or that she'll let you? <laughs> oh, man, uh, that's dangerous. Um, uh, let's see, what can I say? Uh, she's great. Um, she's very funny. She, she's, she's goofy. Um, I, I, she's from Denmark. Um, so I, long story short, I was in Denmark for work and I met her and as you do, you fall in love. And then he realized that, wow, wait a second, you're from a different continent. And then we have to figure out how, <laughs> how to make this work. Um, but, but when you know, you know, and so we figured it out and she's here now and, um, she's, um, learning how to be a jeweler. Uh, so she's starting, she's like starting from scratch with silver pellets and then, you know, with oxyacetylene torches and everything and pounding it out and flattening it out into, into rings and, and polishing stuff. It's, it's unbelievable. So she's, she's very hands-on, very cool. Um, it fits the team well. Uh, and I, I'm so, so out of my league here. It's great. That's beautiful. Uh, on over to you, Kyle. Thank you very much, Lindsay. Will, how you doing, bud? How's it going, buddy? I'm doing all right, man. I've got a few fan questions here for you. Uh, the first one is from Hypershock fan, Lindsay Eureko. She wants to know, did you build robots in the smaller weight classes, and will we ever see you at Norwalk Havoc? I want to know the same question. Let us know. <laughs> uh, yes, yes, I did build robots uh, in the smaller weight classes, um, that's where I started. Um, the first real true robot that I built was with a um, friend Tyler and, and a kid Benji that we went to school with. And it was Hefferbot. And it was a 14-inch frying wok upside down with a whole bunch of black and white duct tape over it to make it look like a cow. And we had bolts sticking out of it. So it was like a, a full-body spinner, uh, Ziggo-style, you know, gigabyte-style shell spinner. Um and we won our first fight, and we lost our second fight because I forgot to charge the transmitter, uh, and I've been hooked ever since. Uh, and we built 15-pounders, uh, we built 120-pounders, and a couple of years ago when I was up in Massachusetts living there um, with mass destruction, I built a 3-pounder called Herpaderp, which did all right. Uh, it was supposed to be a, a small hypershock, but it started to get the last minute treatment surprise surprised and so it turned into herpaderp and um yeah i mean they're fun um and small robots are a lot less stressful and <laughs> they're much more economical um 
But with it's it's a it's a time commitment, right? So lately, when Witch Doctor and us are going to events, it's to help run them and to help uh, do safety and pit running and judging and and announcing and doing meet and greet. So we don't ever get to build you know, and fight little robots anymore. Um, so uh, such is time and life. Um, will I ever get to Norwalk? It's a great question. I'd like to. It's a long way to go just for a, an event, but we'll see. You never know. It, what am I going to build? That's the big question. What's worth building just for Norwalk? Um, I don't know. All right, so here's here's the answer to that question. Build a 30. You can, you can <laughs> do well in that area, and uh, there's not a huge stack of competition in there, but there's enough competition in there that it's fun, uh, but you have a good chance of making it to finals. Second reason to come, you get to hang out with us because we announce for it, so we're there. Good Another point. reason to Good come point. is you don't have to worry about doing safety or check-ins or any of that stuff because that's all done for you. <laughs> and uh, that is nice. the food in Norwalk is great. Good to know. All right, all right. Yeah, good thing the thirty pound division has only got like you know these lame uh, robots like uh, <laughs> like Jameson's stuff and Adam Wrigley's. <laughs> yeah, there's really no heavy hitters in the thirty pounders. Yeah, yeah. You only have to worry about you know knockoff white and and uh, and uh, Megatron and yeah, they're they're amazing robots in there. I'm just saying you could probably qualify for the finals. You'll get trounced, <laughs> but you'll have a great time. Don't underestimate Dark Side. Oh yeah, and dark sides and that it's it's a pretty like the thirty division. It's uh, it's not very full, it's but what's in there is good. Kyle, it's stacked. Good to know. Good to know. What to build? Hmm. All right. So next question: um, Is there a bot or a builder that you haven't thought yet that you'd really like to? I mean, we keep joking with uh, Witch Doctor that we're going to have to fight each other someday. <laughs> and we've managed to convince them so far that we don't have to fight. You know, we, every time Aaron Catling asks, we're like, no, it's a terrible fight. No one would want to watch that. <laughs> so we, it'll happen someday. Um, that'll be a fun one because they're, they're great friends and Mike's an amazing driver. And it, it would be fun to hit two very similar robots against each other that are, you know, ideologically very, very similar, but couldn't be farther apart. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. All right, so here's a possibly related question. If Hypershock didn't exist, what other team would you want to join? <sighs> Do I have to jo- have to join a team? Oh, man. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd probably be with Witch Doctor, right? Because they're local and they're fun. And it's another two-wheel drive vertical spinner or four-wheel drive uh, double disc. And uh, probably Witch Doctor. I like that. I, I think that would be cool. Mike is going to make you battle harden the uh, the motors, though, so watch out for that. I'll just convince him we need to go brushless. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, what backstage pitch shenanigans have you gotten into over the years that the cameras didn't catch? Do you have any, do you have any good stories we don't know about? Let's see. Um, it's, uh, season three? Season three. We had um, – there were a couple of moments where I was holding a rake over uh, Donald Hudson's pit like a mic boom while they were filming stuff. I don't think I've ever gone on camera. Um, the, I think it was season four when Rainbow was there. Um, the, the, so when we found out that a team from Russia was coming, we were 
super jazzed. We just thought it was the best thing ever. And we saw their uh, application video and we tried to like help them and send them parts and stuff. And then it was a whole mess because uh, we tried to send parts to St. Petersburg. It turns out you're not allowed to send things to St. Petersburg directly from, from the U.S. via FedEx. And so this $400 shipping package gets rejected and sent back. Um, and when they showed up to filming, they did not speak English. So I think they just thought we were idiots who were just giggling and and being weird. And we just wanted to be friends with them because we thought they were so cool. And at one point, they needed a cart because uh, they didn't have a cart for the robot. And they were using like a like a pallet jack to move their robot around. So we said, oh, okay, I know what we'll do. We'll go get them a... <laughs> We'll get them a, a cart at, at the Harbor Freight. Um, and because it's, uh, you know, nothing's free, we'll, we'll also give them this massive inflatable uh, unicorn thing for like a pool. And so we, we sneak this thing into, uh, into the building while they're doing their hero shots. And we get the camera crew and they think it's funny and... And so we're like, okay, yeah, so we're going to go give it to them. And so we blow up this massive thing. We have it on the cart and we roll it back to wherever they're doing the, the hero shots. And we say, here you go. And they didn't understand what the heck was going on. And we're like, here, take it. And <laughs> it just, it didn't work at all. It was a total flop. Uh, they had no idea what we were doing. They tried to return the cart and they thought we were just giving them the, the, uh, the, inflatable we're like no 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 the car is yours like it's fine <laughs> it was it was it was funny to us but it was cringeworthy in in hindsight that's uh super sweet of you and uh i do wish you had a russian speaker on your team so you could have communicated if only if only all right so we have a possibly nda breaking question from b is for BattleBots illustrator caleb kempson who wants to know well done on your first win of the season i have only one question who is Technical T-Rex? Technical T-Rex is the friends we made along the way. See, I like that one. I thought you were going to go with, you know, everybody wants to know who is Technical T-Rex. Nobody wants to know how is Technical T-Rex. Or why is Technical T-Rex? Where did he come from? What's his shtick? Did he really go to college? What's his deal? Yeah. How can he claim to be a uh, combat robotics expert who's never built a combat robot? Very strange. Very good question. Who's translating for him? No one's ever asked that. All right. So speaking of uh, uh, speaking of technical T-Rex and Team Witch Doctor, um, we have a question from Corey Schweinhart who wants to know, when I watched the Witch Doctor video last about last year's discs, discs I noticed that you guys uh, were doing driving practice together. How much knowledge and advice is passed between the two teams? How about other Florida ro robots like Rotator and Kraken? Are you all kind of in the same information sharing bubble? We're all pretty friendly, um, and so if someone has a question, I, me specifically, I, I know I'm, I don't mind telling everyone what I'm doing. Uh, for the most part, people are wise enough not to do what I'm doing. So uh, I feel like sometimes Mike lately asks me, "Hey, what are you doing?" and I explain it, and he says, "Okay, great. Let me do the opposite of that." Um, perfect example is brushless. So when we went and did that uh, testing day. Um, we were testing out brushless motors and new encoders and stuff, and they didn't work. Um, we, we got that one hit um, in the GIF from the uh, from the, the blog post that Kyle posted, uh, but it it blew up. 
the motor controller quit. The encoder quit. We couldn't get it to spin up again. It didn't work at all. So we were a little nervous. And at that point, Witch Doctor, who was kind of considering um, brushless and watching you know, what was going on for us, they said, no, no way. Uh, <laughs> screw this. We're going elsewhere. We're going back to brush land because uh, it's never hurt us like this. Um, and we we were foolish and kept going. And luckily, it turned, worked out for us great. Um, you know, brushless seems to work just fine for us. Um, but, uh, but yeah, they actually took it as a thing not to do because we were trying to do it. Um, we and Witch Doctor definitely debate things like, you know, whether or not to do wedgelets and how to do wedgelets and um, other things like that. But for the most part, uh, everyone has their own kind of design ideas and strategies. And um, there's not like any theft of, or or certainly no theft of ideas and really not much sharing of, of implementations of things. You know, you look at Rotator, who's down the street from us, and Witch Doctor and Hypershock were literally... 10 feet away from each other in the same workshop and no parts are shared. Yeah. That's interesting. You'd think there would be a lot more part sharing, but yeah, like you all just decide to use the same motors. So you can swap them in and out at the tournament and stuff, but not even No, That's crazy. All right. So we've got a good question from, uh, devourer of wheels who wants to know, is it true that you are not actually American and are in fact a man named bill from Wales? Um, uh, for, legal reasons i can neither confirm nor deny that seems reasonable we will not uh, contact immigration services that's fine uh i've got another <laughs> from them dao feng uh will you or will you not bail I, I most definitely will i mean that that does make sense um so we do have a series of deeply philosophical questions from hypershock neon sign owner mary Catherine carr she says, hi, Will, everyone is congratulating on you on your big win over Slamo, but forgetting about your bigger win um, over life in your recent nuptials. Congrats. And an additional congrats on a successfully breaking the hearts of half the BattleBots viewership, including Cliff Rose. He really thought y'all were, had something special. Say la vie. Um, now that you're off the market, who would you pass the title of America's hunkiest BattleBots competitor to, or at least, who do you think should be nominated? I mean, obviously, Al Kendall is the one to one to get right oh yeah especially when he shaved the head that that was the good move that was a good move for him i like it he, he's just he is all al you know he, he's not pretending to be anyone else and and you gotta admire that you know that's that's really attractive fair point fair point all right since i've heard you were one of the builders trying to enact change in the contracts for all builders do you have any idea on how fans can get involved in the conversation or help make this a reality oh man that's a tough one um I think the best thing you can do is support teams, um, whether it's as simple as sharing and liking posts and, you know, I- improving the the reach and social media um, interactions uh, that a team has to help them get sponsors or buying their merch from their web stores or buying their parts from their web stores or from eBay auctions. You know, doing things that directly support the teams is always a good thing. Um, and you know, the, the more that the teams have and, and the better resources that the teams have, the, 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 the better they'll do. Yeah, I agree with that a hundred percent. Um, all right. So do you have any plans to sponsor more robots and are there any up and coming robots 
that have caught your eye. I real I remember you saying that your uh, your qualifications for sponsoring robots was shenanigans. You wanted to bring in more robots that would bring in shenanigans. So so who's got the shenanigans coming up? <laughs> we really wanted uh, two headed death flamingo to show up. Um, I thought that was going to be great. Uh, alas, they couldn't come this year. Um, uh, Horizon looks pretty cool. Uh, there, I mean, I think it's really neat, uh, frankly, and and the styling's good. The the little one's awesome. Yeah, we saw that one in Norwalk, and we were like, wait a minute, wait, what? What does this thing do? <laughs> they explained it to us, and we're like, this is so cool. <laughs> it's so cool. Yeah, but yeah, so I don't know if we'll ever sponsor robots again. But if if yes, the 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 criteria still apply. You know, be different, be fun, be entertaining. Uh, yeah, not a box. Some of your team helped design and create those awesome bounty hunter medallions. Are there any other ways your team or other teams are beho- involved behind the scenes that we don't really know about? Um, question. Um, I don't know. <laughs> uh yeah um colin and isaac uh just got in put in a unique position where it was abundantly clear that isaac was qualified as a as a designer uh based on our our branding and stuff and uh greg munson needed a designer to come up with something so isaac came up with it and because they're buddies he uh he called uh colin up and said hey colin can you help turn these into real metal and Colin said, absolutely. Cause Colin owns a machine shop runs a machine shop and is super, super awesome and handy and uh, very talented. So the two of them together just made the medallions. They do look pretty sweet. That's cool. That's really cool. All right. So we've got the final question um, from Mary Catherine Carr. What big new merch item will hypershock be releasing this year? I got to know when to put my kidneys on the market. <laughs> oh man what are we gonna do that's new i mean i can't tell you what all of the fun surprises are i mean that's fair do, do you know when you're gonna drop the big merch uh, i don't know when can you see the qr code on the bottom of the robot fair enough so we wait until you fight blip okay <laughs> good point um all right so will bills this is a note by the way we have one final note and it is from uh captain bonk herself sarah mullion so she says, Will Bales is one of the nicest humans in the entire BattleBots universe. When Hypershock offered to sponsor Nelly, it meant so much more than just money. It was acceptance. It was a friendly hand extend- extended, which said, I want you included. And coming from such a prominent popular team, whom all um, my team admire, it really meant the world to us. And Will is so much more than just a sponsor. He is my friend, a mentor, and has helped me fix problems in both my out- uh, both um, outside my bot world and in the bot world going above and beyond any sponsor or community expectations. He is a wonderful human being and thoroughly deserving of role model status. Suffice to say, my team wear our partnership with Hypershock with pride because Will is, to use the correct vernacular, a legend. They sometimes say you should never meet your heroes, but if Will Bales is your hero, you should definitely meet him because you will be, uh, be far from disappointed. Love and memes, Captain Bonk. P.S. Did you like Will vibing? <laughs> uh, she's too nice to me. Uh, yes, yes, the Will Vibing video was very funny. I got it sent to me by a sponsor today. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, I, uh, I was glad to see you guys back dancing. You know, like, that was one of my favorite, uh, I think that was season two that you guys all rolled in dancing before your first fight, and I was like, I'm glad to see them back at it. 
Um, all right. So, We're just trying to have fun, man. Yeah. And that's when you guys do your best is when you're like just out there having fun. So yeah. agreed. I'm really glad to hear it. I'm really glad to hear it. Um, so thanks so much for talking with us today, Will. We're looking forward to seeing Hypershock in the Battle Box again soon. And hopefully against a flipper so we can see the bottom of that robot and get that QR code. Fingers crossed. All right. Thanks, Will. That was awesome. Anytime, guys. After the break, we'll return with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. Welcome back from the break. Time for Robots Around the World. This week, we're headed to England, where a robot vacuum cleaner managed to successfully escape its employer, the Orchard Park Travel Lodge. The robot apparently failed to stop at the hotel's front door and made a break for it, sparking a one-day hunt for the robot. Good news, a gardener ended up finding the robot, which had wedged itself under one of the hotel's hedges. So, I mean, either this robot was out to experience nature in all of its glory and really just wanted to break away from its, you know, technological um, uh, shell, or it was out to, you know, destroy mankind and thought it had finally, you know, got its, uh, got its opportunity. I also want to shout out uh, Jane Brewster, Tom Brewster's mother, for sending this story to us. So thank you. Lindsay, is this better than like uh, the kind of heavy heavy military robots or the uh, kind of creepy AIs or the the robots that are replacing people's jobs? You know, should, should we, I mean, I, you know. <laughs> it, it could be one and the same. We don't know. This yeah. robot may have had AI and it was out for blood. Like, we don't know. <laughs> right, right. Uh, I, I, I was just like imagining this robot, uh, you know, under under the hedge, just, uh, you know, bumping up against the uh, the trunk, you know, and just sucking up dirt underneath it. I don't know. Like, it was kind of like a, a funny thought, you know, as people who own Roombas, all of us. Did um did you watch the show um what was it Maniac on Netflix? No, what? Uh, it had what was it Emma Stone, Emma Stone, and um, oh my God, Jonah Hill, and uh, okay, it wasn't like a major plot of the of the show or anything, but it did have these like outdoor Roombas that would go around and like pick up dog poop and like other trash on the floor on the on the street. Oh my god! So Whoa. maybe it saw the show and was inspired. That's a game changer. We we've we've got to invent that. That's great. Yeah, they were kind of cute too. Huh. I I I like to think that maybe the. Uh, the robot vacuum cleaner was dealing with some personal stuff and just need to go clear its head. Just like uh, take a little walk. Is that right? He's I'm running away, mom. <laughs> Maybe it had been hearing, uh, you know, uh, all the people talk about the nice landscaping outside and the nice garden. And uh, the robot was like, I want to check that out. I'm going to go. <laughs> it's like my, uh, my book that I never wrote that I wrote uh, the children's book called bug on a sill. Oh my God, Chris! Listen, we we've got a couple hundred people now listening to the show every week. You know, we might have a children's book publisher here. Reach out to Chris. Bug on a sill. It's a it's a bestseller for sure. Oh, it's an it's an incredible mind bender for ages uh, <laughs> three to five. 
<laughs> they will not see the twist coming. It's like the sixth sense for like the toddler set. <laughs> yes. Yes, I, I see dollar bills. Chris, tell them about Bug on the Silk. Come on. Well, okay, well, I mean, I, I've I've written it. I've prototyped it. Um, I've made doodles, but I'm not I'm not the best illustrator. But basically, it's the story of a cute, delightful uh, little bug, uh, and he lives on a sill. And this was all based on a story that my mom said that she could write a book. And I was like, oh, what are you going to call it? And she said, bug on a sill. And I'm like, <laughs> what's it about? And then I look over and there's a windowsill and there's a dead bug on the <laughs> windowsill. And I'm like, wow, that's really sad. <laughs> And then I'm like, okay, I'll write a kid's book about it. And so Bug on a Sill is about like a fly who lives on a windowsill in a house and it looks outside and there's, you know, another bug on a hill and there's another bug, you know, like playing with a kite. And then like it, it sits there and it and it looks and it sees like these bugs outside living a much better life than it has like kind of cooped up inside. But what's interesting is on every page, there is a transparent, uh, you know, uh, piece of uh, plastic. So you can actually see through to the next page where you can see the bug doing the other thing outside. But what's interesting, when you flip the book around the other way, it's the story of a bug outside and he's looking in and he sees the bug that like has the family and like, you know, gets to relax and then gets a cozy blanket and like gets a delicious meal. So that's really a story about, you know, the, the grass is always greener, but like just learning to appreciate what you have because you have something that someone else wants. Amazing. Amazing. I love it. I love it. And that is Bug on a Sill. And that's about it for us today. <laughs> we'll be back in your feed next Wednesday with another mystery guest. And let's give a big shout out to Nicole for editing this week's episode. Uh, we couldn't do it without you, Nicole. Thanks, Nicole. You're the best. Thanks, Nicole. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye. See ya. Bye.